Over the last few weeks, I've been dealing, we've been dealing with uh, what I call questions of, of our human experience, different questions that we engage in, sometimes verbally ask or ponder in our own minds. Um, but then there, there are at times we have questions that we don't really uh, uh, ask audibly, but yet they are within our mind and heart. And on this final one, final uh, one of this series, this is the one I want to deal with this morning. And the question that was asked, which we'll read, is what is truth? Well, what is truth? <clears throat> As we'll read in just a moment, Pilate is the one who asked that question. Uh, he had truth standing in front of him, but we find that he was struggling with trying to determine what truth is. Now, I think that that is actually uh, where we are today in our culture and in our lives, is trying to determine uh, what truth is. There are some interesting sayings um, about truth, and I'll share them in just a moment. And if you'll allow me this morning, I'm just going to, again, meander through some things about truth. This has to do with a very uh, disciplined uh, way of study or academics called epistemology. And it's been something that we have, for centuries, mankind has tried to get at the uh, nugget uh, at the, uh, as Aristotle said, the inness of what, what, what is truth, what exactly is truth. <clears throat> and the reason that is so important is that if we do not have within our lives a, a, a standard or an understanding of what truth is, then we are open to and most likely uh, casualties of what we call untruths or lies. So truth is very, very important. Winston Churchill said, men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing had happened. Uh, we also find that there was a great writer uh, in his own right, Aldous Huxley. He said, facts do not cease, but I'd like to turn the phrase. Truth does not cease to exist simply because you ignore it. And I think that that is uh, absolutely true. But I like what Mark Twain said. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. And it is important that we that you, me, in our lives, that we have some sort of um, truth, a uh, standard of truth. Now, I'm going to share quickly various, uh, we call them theories, but it's the struggles that humanity has had for centuries over that, and we've seen how truth has evolved, uh, the definition of it and the use of it, et cetera, et cetera. But, but, but like I said, if we don't have a standard of truth, we find ourselves on what I call the sea of opinions. In other words, we only are able to rest on opinions. And if that's the case, I think you'll find that 
that on that sea, on that body of water, it's very, very stormy. When we are having to live by opinions, it's extremely uh, stormy at times, uh, very unfamiliar. You can be holding one opinion as truth, and all of a sudden, a year later, it's different, or a decade later. And also, opinions are very, very unpredictable. And yet, if we live our lives according to the opinion uh, of, of, let's say, the majority or uh, the opinion of a culture, we find that we don't have certainty. And without certainty, we have no confidence. So truth is really a, a very, very important belt uh, to, to wear. Uh, if we don't have a standard or we don't understand truth, uh, we find ourselves in, in a pinch. We're not able to consistently and continually d- determine what's right and what's wrong. And so in this, I think that as we look at Pilate, here's what's interesting. He was a leader. Now, he asked this question, well, what is truth? As a leader, he was the governor uh, of, of Palestine. He was the governor. He didn't know what truth was, or at least it was evasive to him. Um, he had to make decisions that not only affected him, and, but other people. And so truth for him to not know the truth or not be able to live according to that um, was very interesting. He also, Pilate was also a life giver and a life taker. He, he had the power. He had the power to determine if someone lives or someone died. Well, to not know the truth of any given scenario, you can see what kind of mistakes and things that could happen. And so when we are talking about truth, and, I, and I'm, I'll spend a little time in this before we get to our text, but here's what the, the word truth actually um, translates to. It means referring to something that is accurate. In other words, we can say something, but are we, is it accurate when we talk about truth? Valid, it means that it's valid. Whatever claim is being made, a proposition, whatever claim is being made, it's valid. It's accurate. It's, and then also certifiable. In other words, you can check it out, as it were, due diligence, as we would say. We saw it evolve to where truth then had to be understood in what's real. So You see, when we have a theory, let's say, we, we post a theory of something, whether it be in science, whether it be in uh, sociology, psychology, theology, philosophy, it doesn't matter. If you have a theory, you postulate it as a possibility. But we find time and time again that theories are, are kind of... A, uh, they, they move into, and they're talked about as if it is a fact. And that's not truth. Because here's the thing. Truth also, by definition, is that which is unchangeable. It doesn't change. Now, my, my favorite example of truth is mathematics. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's one example of many but one example of what we call absolute truth. In other words, no matter where you are, you can be in America, you can be in Mexico, you can be in Taiwan, you can be anywhere. And it will always be the case that two plus two equals four. 
That's an absolute truth. It does not change. Regardless of where you are, regardless of the century, regardless of how old or young you are, that is an absolute truth. So um, let me give some examples of, um, of, of truth and how and why it's so important in, in our lives. And I'm going to use the chili cook-off as an example. Bear with me. I was just sitting over there thinking, I think I'm going to use the chili thing. Uh, Okay, if I say, which I've said, my chili is the best chili there, the chili dinner. Well, that may be true, but what if someone has never in their life had chili? Well, then all of a sudden, what I've said, it becomes very, very evasive. But then if I say, well, no, my chili is the best chili. Well, Someone would taste my chili based on what I'm saying, that it's the truth. My chili is the best. And when they taste it, it causes them to pucker up. It doesn't co cohere at all. You know, in other words, I'm saying it's true. My chili is the best chili. But when they taste it, now, they would disagree. Well, but then if I say, my chili is the best chili, and I can go find someone else that says, yeah, his is a great chili. I'm getting a correspondence and I'm thinking, okay, they say it's good and so therefore it must be true. But it may not be true because I haven't talked to everyone. There's gonna be some people that say, no, that's a bunch of, you know, that's not right. Then we have <clears throat> now the idea of truth that we're dealing with. They call it sometimes postmodernism, but basically it, it's, it's been around for, for quite a while. In fact, we'll see the shadow of it, the precursor of it, with Pilate. And it's whatever you believe to be true is true. And whatever you think is true is true. That's where we are right now. If someone says something is true, it's true. So I'm going to say, my chili is true. And I have everyone say no. It, it, you know, my, my, my chili, your chili is not the best. But I've said it, I believe it, and so therefore I believe that it's true that my chili is the best. In spite of 50 people saying, no, it is not that good. The reason I'm able to do that and the reason we're in that right now is because we have, we have elevated what we call personal perspective, all right? Personal perspective is just simply another word for being totally subjective. In other words, it's right if I think it's right, but for you it may be wrong. And, it's, and we, we call that a, a, you know, relative, relative truth. In other words, it's true if I think it's true, but I, I, can't, I, you know, I can't determine what you think. I just know that it's true for me. So truth has been very evasive over the centuries and I think that that's why in this particular passage we're going to see, and it will take a lot of time, but we're going to see where Pilate, he stumbled into the truth. He heard it. He had an internal feeling that it was the truth. He tried to confirm it. He tried to get some sort of opinion about it. And yet when he had everything gathered up, he ignored it. He ignored the truth. He walked away from it. He washed his hands of it. That's the problem we have if we do not understand how important truth is in, in our lives. In other words, 
in our daily lives, we're going to encounter, you encounter, hopefully not for me, but, um, you know, <clears throat> from, from other people, well, there's, there's no way that there can be an absolute truth. Well, that in itself is a self, what we call self-contradiction. For instance, let me give you, yeah, I, I ask you to bear with me so I can think aloud. When someone says... There is no such thing as an absolute truth. Do you know what they've just committed? They've just committed what we call a self-defeating criteria, meaning that they're saying there's no absolute truth whatsoever except what I've just said, there's no absolute truth. It's a contradiction. So that in itself shows that there, there, there has to be, there is, should be, and I think we can arrive at it, at an absolute truth. The determination is, well, exactly what is it? Well, we live in a culture and a time when some people will say that there's no way that there's a truth. Uh, other people will say, well, no, my way is, is, is the truth. Others will say, you know, maybe your way is, I don't know. Uh, there's a right way, your way, my way, and no way. That's the problem we have with truth. And so from a personal perspective, I'm glad when I can read and I hear someone say, I am the truth. And when I read that, I'm going to look and I'm going to see and I'm going to try to evaluate. But then you are able to come up with at least a standard that you feel is accurate, is good, is is wholesome is right and the only way to know uh, not that it changes truth but the only way to know if truth is true for you is for you to live it so in other words for people who who don't believe in God how in the world can they say that because they've not engaged in that and they don't really have a right to give a commentary on something they have no idea on on the other hand people who believe in God and you ask them about their belief in God and in Jesus Christ, they will affirm that not only did I believe it, but now in my life, Jesus Christ is a reality. That is a confirmed truth. And so that's how you're able to, to, to test the, the truth. So let's read. They led Jesus. This is during the time when he was betrayed. I'm going to be in John 18 for a bit, and then I'm going to move to another area. They were moved, they, Jesus had been betrayed, all right? He, had, he, had, he, he was moving toward being crucified. He was being uh, led to, as it says, from Caiaphas, who was the high priest, uh, to the Proterium, and it was early in the morning. Uh, but the, those accusers, his accusers, didn't go in there. They were pretty evasive about this stuff, uh, lest they should be defiled. And so... Pilate then came out, who was the governor, and he, he went out to meet them and he said, what accusation do you bring against this man? Let me, here's a footnote. Anytime that someone wants to evade the truth, they're going to do what we call beg the question. And this is exactly what happened. What accusation do you bring against this man, Jesus Christ? And their answer was this. We would not have delivered him up to you unless he was evil. They believed he was evil, but they did not answer the question about an accusation. Pilate said to them, you take him and you judge him according to your law. 
And the Jews said to him, well, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. And so the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Now, what's interesting is in John, we have this. But then in Matthew, Matthew includes something that we don't find in the other Gospels. While, while Pilate is discussing this with those accusers, he's sitting there and he's, he's on his chair. Well, the, Matthew records this and it says that uh, his wife came to him and whispered in his ear. Here's, here's what it says. Uh, As he was sitting in the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with that just man. I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. Now that's significant because Pilate was trying to determine what exactly had happened. And now all of a sudden he gets a confirmation from someone else. This man is just. Pilate had already determined that they, the accusers had brought, him, brought Jesus to him because they were envious of him. So already he's starting to assimilate reasons to believe that this man was not wicked. Uh, we also know that uh, Jesus had been taken to Herod, King Herod. Herod said, I find no fault on, uh, on him or to him. I find no fault whatsoever. So here Pilate already knows that Herod couldn't find fault. His wife said that he's a just man and he was not able to get a good answer. So, so he's, he's seeing the truth. He, he's, he's in, the truth is in front of him or it's beginning to unfold and reveal itself to him. Uh, what's interesting is, is I think, what Matthew recorded about his wife, Claudia, uh, that she sent this. She said, I have suffered in dreams because this man is just, meaning he's not wicked and he's not what these accusers are saying. Well, then Pilate, then he, uh, he entered the, his area again and he called Jesus and he said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? That's interesting in that this exposes the life that we find ourselves living. What do we believe? Do we believe what we sense within our heart or do we believe what other people are telling us, myself included? What is it we believe? Because what we believe is how we live our lives. If we believe the multitudes... All right, if we believe the crowds, if we believe the majority, if we believe all this, then we're going to live our lives according to that, if we believe that. I almost brought a list of uh, the, t- the 10 crazy things that's happened that they said was going to happen as a truth, but yet never happened. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to spend that much time. I like my chili deal better. Uh, when we live our lives based on anything but the truth, as I said earlier, we become either victims or casualties of everything that is untrue because we believe that. And that's what, that's what Jesus asked. Do you believe this, Pilate, because you think it or is it because of what others have said? And that's a great question to ask ourselves today. What is it we believe? How do we live? How do we live our lives? Do we live it according to what others are doing or do we live it according to what we deep down know is right or wrong?
As the discussion goes on, Pilate then answered, he says, well, am I a Jew? Do I understand? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? In other words, he asked Jesus, what is it that you have done? Now, he asked that same question to his accusers. They didn't answer it. They just said, well, just know this, trust, trust us. If he was not evil, we would have not brought him to you. But they didn't answer the question. Jesus, on the other hand, answers the question. What have you done? And he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, and so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, well, are you a king? Are you a king then? And Jesus says, you, rightly, you have said rightly, I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now what's significant about his answer is that he answered it. Truth will always give an answer. When truth is absent, there's always an evasiveness about things, always. And so when Pilate then, as he heard Jesus standing before him, and he had taken in the account that Herod didn't find any fault with him, his wife wanted him to have nothing to do with this just man, and even he and himself, he knew that the accusers, it flat out says, the accusers brought him brought Jesus to him because they were envious of him. It wasn't that he had done anything. So deep down, he was getting glimpses of what the truth was. So when he asked the question, well, what is, what is truth? What is it? It's the question that we all are going to have to wrestle with. What is it we believe to be accurate, verifiable, good, wholesome? What is it that's true? If we believe everything we hear, you're going to experience what I describe, being on a sea of opinions. And it's a stormy sea. And there is no calmness. There is no confidence. There is no security. There's nothing. Because we're, we're believing and living our lives according to what people just believe on any given day at any given time. You know, this is what's so amazing to me. I never thought I would see it. I knew the Bible had, uh, had, you know, had, had testified of it. But I never thought I would see this one thing out of the Old Testament. Everything that is called good will be called bad. And everything that is called bad will become good. I never thought I would see that. I thought it was something in the past. Lo and behold, that is exactly what has happened. So Pilate says, what is truth? There's been a lot written about that uh, historically. A lot of theologians, a lot of philosophers have written about what is it that he was saying. Was he being hateful? Was he being sarcastic? Yeah, possibly, but I don't think so. I think that perhaps it was, a, as we would say, a Freudian slip. He let it come out that he himself has been wrestling with this question, what is truth? I know you do. I know I did. Sometimes I still do. What is truth? Is God true? 
Is belief in God true? Is Jesus Christ really that one that can change my heart? I wrestle with the same things. I'm no different than you are. But when he had Jesus in front of him, here was his conclusion. I find no fault in him. So from everything that he encountered, he had heard opinions, the accusers. He had heard from his enemy, Herod. Herod said, I don't find any fault in him. He heard from his wife and said, he is a just man. And in his heart, he knew that this man had done nothing wrong. And he said, he concluded, I find no fault in him. But here's where it's disappointing. And I think, however, instructive for us. When we are encountering the truth, there is another old saying, and it's from the scripture. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I think you'd be interested to know uh, that it's on a, 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 a huge number of our universities, that statement. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's also on the building of our CIA. You will know the truth. But there's a saying, you can know the truth and it will set you free, but not after it just gives you a whipping, which is true. So here we find Pilate confessing to what he intuitively had listened, everything. I find no fault in him. But the accusers did not want to stop. And so when he said to them, you know, I have the power to the accusers. He said, I have the power to release a prisoner every year. And he said, You've got, we've got Barabbas, who was a murderer. And then we've got Jesus Christ here, who has done nothing. Now, who would you like to have? And we know the story. They yelled out, give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus Christ. And for a moment, Pilate then wrestled with this. He wrestled with the reality that not everyone wants the truth. Not everyone wants to live by it. Not everyone wants to embrace it or anything. He then says, well, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they said, well, let him be crucified. And he asked again, why? What evil has he done? He's in that dilemma. We've all been there. We know the truth, and yet we just, we just don't want to go where the truth is going to take us in our lives. But they crowd out all the more, saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but that the tumult was rising, he then took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying this, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. I want you to see this. While on one hand, he didn't condemn him. For me, I see a lesson and I guess a learning moment for me personally. No, he didn't condemn him. He didn't agree with him. But he was evasive about embracing it. He had the power to not let happen what happened. He had that power. And yet, he wanted to kind of, uh, I guess, 
delegate the responsibility to, to other people. So it brings me to this in, in this discussion. Our confrontation, our confrontation with truth. Like Pilate and like Winston Churchill said, you know, we can either be looking for truth, and you better have some courage if you're going to. I know that for a fact. All great writers have testified that when you start looking for the truth, be ready because it's going to rest at your doorstep first. We can either look for it or we can stumble into it. Uh, we can either embrace it or we can just simply observe it. You know, we can hold on to it once we get the truth, or we can kind of postpone it, which is kind of what Pilate did. We can live according to the truth, which had Pilate done that, it would have been a different story whatsoever, or we can let go of it. We can let go of the truth, let it go out there somewhere. We can choose to be responsible to the truth and surrender to it, or... We can surrender to that sea of opinions. That's our choice, but that's where we are. So I come to a point where I think, okay, Jesus said he came to tell the truth. So what did Jesus have to say about himself and truth? So let me share with these some things he said. He said that... When he's praying for his disciples, he said to his heavenly father, God, sanctify them by thy truth. Your word is truth. So he believed that everything he was saying, and he lived by that, that God's word was truth. Jesus also said this to his disciples, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And then you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Free. Now, that was a big question mark in my mind. Free from what? I mean, what am I going to be free from? And it became very apparent very quickly that if I live according to the truth, if I embrace it, if I hold on to it, if that's what I want, I will be freed from ignorance. In other words, I don't have to live according to opinions or ignorance, but I can live according to what's accurate what's verifiable, what's true. That means I'll be free from bias. I don't have to go according to my feeling. Uh, I'll be freed when I know the truth of being entangled. I, I'll be free from, from having to live according to lies. I'll be free uh, to, that, to that mental, uh, intellectual darkness when you know the truth. The question becomes, is Jesus Christ the truth? And I know what he said, what he said when he was asked this question, how can we know the way to God? And he said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So now let me verify that. Personally, I was curious before I became a Christian. How do you get to God? How can I know the God? Which God? Back in the late 60s and early 70s, there were all kinds of religions and all kinds of things that came up. Baha'i religion, um, you know, you had 
Confucianism, if you can believe that, uh, all kinds of things. And you look at it, and you look at it, but in each case, I personally couldn't verify, nor did it seem accurate, that they each led me to God until I considered Jesus Christ. Once I considered Jesus Christ, and I was very hesitant, like Pilate, I knew that Jesus Christ, uh, you know, the Lord that my parents and my grandparents served and people that I knew, I knew that he was admired and he was a great teacher, but I did not know that for myself. So, once I considered Jesus Christ to that question, how can I get to God? I'll tell you what I discovered very quickly. I discovered that, yes, that was the truth. He showed me the way to God, my Heavenly Father, by reading, by understanding, by following, by, by looking at His life. I found that He showed the way. I also found that when Jesus said something was true, given of time, the fruit will show up on the tree and it came about that it was true. Or if something's false, it was false. Like Jesus says, you, you know, you can tell a, a tree by its fruit. So I found that out. And then I also found out that certainly it was only through Jesus Christ that I gained an understanding or an apprehension, and I mean that by an encompassing, of what eternal life is. Not the life I was living, but the life that I aspired to, that I never had any dreams. So for me, Jesus Christ validated that he was the truth. And how I can get to God, how I can find eternal life, and how I can know what truth actually is. So, as I thought about it and as I was thinking about this, our desire in closing, our desire, our prayer, and our dedication as God's people, and hopefully if you, if you haven't, you, you will. You will embark on that walk of truth you know, as the old philosopher said, know thyself. You want to know the truth. Here's what the psalmist said. Oh God, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy tabernacle. That should be our prayer and our desire. Let God bring us. He also wrote, I have chosen the way of truth. And that is where we are. Each person has to decide, this is the way I'm going to do. But I love in closing what the writer of Proverbs says. Buy the truth and do not sell it. So for us today as God's people, what is truth? Truth is Jesus Christ for us. He is the one that shows us the way to God. He's the one that shows us the truth of God. And he's the one who shows us and gives us life from God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your words. And at times they are so simple, but yet so profound and powerful as we think and ponder them. I pray today, Lord, especially in this environment, in the landscape that we are in, that we would not allow our desire for truth to be obscured, or to be darkened by everything that's around us. 
I pray, Lord, that each of us in our own lives would seek that truth and seek to embrace it, which we know now is Jesus Christ. And I'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we come to a close and as we give pause to our thoughts here. And, and that's, all I, that's all I wanted to share was that, you know, seek the truth. Don't live your life by opinions, by beliefs, by people, by the multitudes. Seek the truth of God because it is unchangeable. As the scriptures say, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's truth. So let's pray. I mean, let's sing as we, what page? Hymn 18. 18, as we sing. If you'd like to come and pray, please do. You can pray where you are. We can sing this hymn as we sing.